Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of the men and women connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing. This special series is dedicated to our Airmen's first year stories. Hear from our Wing's newest members, from enlisted aviators to electricians, aircraft maintainers to medics, and all jobs in between. These Airmen have transformed from high school students to dedicated and involved members of the 133rd Airlift Wing family. In their own words, they'll share how they chose their military job, the connection they have with the team, and how they've changed from young civilian to American Airmen. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief, Mark Legvold. Joining me today on Beneath the Wing is Matt Wickman. Matt is a student at George Washington University. Uh, he's also uh, works with us uh, in our public health department. He's going to go all into what it means to be a public health technician in the Air National Guard. Welcome, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you how did you find the Minnesota Air National Guard? And I know this is a loaded question because I know your your history, but please share with us. So my first introduction to the 133rd Airlift Wing and the National Guard as a whole was through my dad. Um, he worked here for more than 20 years, and I heard about it every day. Um, but I got more and more interested through high school when I started looking at career field opportunities and um, ways to continue my education and how to get work experience before I really even entered the workforce. So I kept coming back to National Guard, so that's kind of how I really started looking into it. So back in Stillwater High School. Yes, sir. Go ponies, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so back at Stillwater High School, you're starting to think as a junior, senior in high school, what do I want to do when I grow up? Um, when people think about joining the military, they think, okay, I like guns, I like to shoot stuff, you know, live in a dirt hole in the ground. Uh, are those the careers that you were thinking of then? Um, you know, I like to I like to fantasize about it, but um, I wanted to keep my aspirations realistic. Um, I knew kind of what I was getting myself into. The uh, other big thing was when you say Air Force, a lot of my friends ask if I'm a pilot or what plane I'm flying, and um, that's that's not the career fields that I was going into. But um, I knew that I wanted something science based and something that I'd be directly serving others. So that kind of steered me towards the public health wing. So when you say science-based, I assume you had a pretty high aptitude for that in high school, right? Yes, sir. What were your grades like? Um, I was a mostly A student, except when it came to uh, mathematics. That was my that was my one struggle. But um, I just pressed forward, and no, I was it was a good time. So you you finished high school. You joined us in November of 2020. Um, but didn't go to basic training until June the following year. Um, were you still in high school when you joined up? Um, I was doing PSEO, so the post-secondary enrollment opportunity that Minnesota and some other states do. Um, so I was taking college classes uh, through Inver Hills Community College through my high school so that it would count towards my college transcript as well as my high school one. So you finished high school with how much college credit? Uh, ooh, that's a tricky one because counting the Air Force classes um, that were applied to my transcript, I came into 
um, college as a sophomore. And then furthermore, um, I got a few more through PSEO and I was about a junior. You said the Air Force gave you some college credit. Yes, sir. Please explain that to us. Absolutely. So um, once you graduate through basic training, um, I can't remember the exact credit count, but you take uh, classes while you're there. Um, I want to ballpark it. It was maybe six to 12 credits. Um, and then you go on to your follow-on training, your tech school, um, where you learn your job. And the classes that you take at tech school also count towards your transcript of the community college of the Air Force. And once you go to a college or a university, if that's your choice, um, you can choose to apply these credits um, if they accept them. And I found that most colleges were pretty accepting. So you're a student at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. It's a, it's a pretty well-known school and pretty rigorous. Uh, did your community college of the Air Force credits transfer in? Absolutely, yes, sir. Um, all, all of my PSEO credits counted, and then the... Um, Community College of the Air Force credits also applied, and I've only been there one semester, and I have 77 credits. That is pretty impressive. And you got paid to go to all of the schools with the Air Force, right? Tech school was probably one of the best times of my life. I was getting paid to go to school, to work out, stay in shape, and made tons of friends that I still talk to. So that was probably one of the highlights of my military career so far. So before you get to tech school, you have to go to basic training. And knowing that your dad had worked out here for many, many years, it was a long time since he had gone to basic training. <laughs> but I'm sure he told you some stories. Yes, sir. Uh, my dad, my grandfather, um, all of them had some pretty crazy stories of basic training. Um, and a lot has changed since then. Um, but I still have some pretty funny stories of my own. So it was a, a very interesting experience. What was the most interesting thing that happened at basic training that you remember? The most interesting thing and the most, well, terrifying experience that I can remember was the very first night when you get off the bus, you get your backpack, and you go to the dorm, and about 20 training instructors, um, kind of like the drill sergeants, um, they are just swarming you and telling you to run to your bed, and they tell you to drop your backpack, and then pick your backpack back up, open it, close it again. Um, they're just trying to fluster you, and I remember um, I wasn't expecting that kind of emotion, and it still stands out to me this day, but right next to that was graduation. Yeah. An amazing experience. These people, they wear the round hats, they yell a lot. Um, are they naturally mean human beings, or is there a purpose behind all of that? Oh, there, there is absolutely a purpose. Um, they start out... Um, kind of rigid, they, they want you to kind of conform and, and listen to them. And then every, I want to say every day, but every week as well, they would get um, softer and softer and they'd be more um, spoken to you and then you would kinda, they would kind of open up their character a little bit. And by the end, I mean, you were cracking jokes with them. They were laughing along, telling stories. And um, the talks with the training instructors were some of the best times because they had so much experience. Um, they really opened my eyes up to the Air Force and their experiences in there. So it was, there was absolutely a purpose behind it. You, uh, you learned a lot from these folks. You, like you said, there's this transformation. You show up, you're getting yelled at, and they put everybody in the same big room. And it's, it's folks from all over the United States and even foreign countries. Yes, sir. Did you have anybody from a foreign country in your in your class? Um, so we had someone that was from Japan, and we had someone 
um, that was from Puerto Rico, and the rest of the people from my memory were from around the U.S. But it was, it was very different. Uh, everyone grew up differently. Everyone had different um, ways of handling themselves, and basic training was a great way to kind of like homogenize all of it. That's yeah, the best way that I could put it is homogenize it. Taking all these different people from around the world and making them think and act more like a team, and then eventually you get your individuality back. Tech school, you said, was one of the best times of your life. So you got done with basic training and graduated. Um, then you went off to tech school. And as a public health technician, I want you to explain what that exactly is. And also, what was the, what was the tech school experience like? Where did you go, first of all? Uh, absolutely. So we left uh, San Antonio um, August 5, I believe it was. And then um, what they do, if you're, most people are a pipeline, so you go straight to your tech school after, after basic training. Um, I went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio for public health technician school, along with anyone else that was bio-environmental engineering. So it was public health and bio at Wright-Pat. We were in the same dorm. And public health is its a very broad-reaching uh, job. There are so many responsibilities, everything from taking care of uh, pregnant members to inspecting food facilities. The main idea of it is to keep everyone safe and healthy um, so that everyone can do their jobs. It's a, it's a very, rewarding, um, very rewarding career. When I think about the military, I don't necessarily go right to these sciency and public health related fields, but you, you talked about keeping people safe and healthy. How does that apply to what military operations we do or may be doing in the future? Absolutely, so if you think about it, whether you're in the field or at the base, you have to, you have to eat, you have to go to the bathroom, you have to communicate with other people, you have to be in close contact with other people, and nothing will take a fighting force out of the fight faster than a foodborne illness or an infectious disease. I mean, we saw it with COVID. It was a lot to handle and it, people had to miss work for two weeks. That takes a lot um, out of your manpower and your ability to deploy somewhere on a moment's notice. I mean, that's what we're known for here at the 133rd is being able to turn on a dime and move hundreds of troops and supplies anywhere in the world at any time. And when you have people that are sick, you can't do it. So it's our responsibility to make sure that everyone is healthy and that we can complete our mission. Great way of putting that. Um, obviously, public health is a big field, and it was huge during COVID, um, and it still is. Uh, we're, we're trying to protect ourselves um, daily from what's out there. Uh, how does what you've learned in the military translate to a job in the civilian sector? Are you employable? Absolutely, sir. There was no better experience than being here at the at the wing. Um, I remember I hadn't had, uh, I would say I don't think I had a real job before I came here, but I definitely had them after. And being able to have that on your resume, the experience of conducting food inspections, and I'm saying sorry, for, for, just for my job, uh, conducting food inspections and uh, workshop safety analysis and all of those other tasks that I completed here, not only was educated on, but performed, um, it was invaluable. I remember my first job interview, um, my interviewer who happened to be prior Air Force, like two other of my interviewers, um, they 
were stunned at how much experience I had at 18 years old. Um, I stood out way above because he was an intern position, so he was kind of that 17 to 20 year old uh, age range. And I blew it out of the water with all the experience that I had here, but also my schooling as well. It gave you a little bit of a boost of confidence going into an interview, I'll bet. Absolutely. So now that you're at George Washington, are you majoring in public health? Are you getting a little bit higher education? Yes, sir. So I'm majoring in public health, and I hope to go into global public health or humanitarian health. Um, I'm also minoring in disaster management, which ties into my second job here at the wing with the surf. Okay, so the surf team, this is a second sort of offshoot of our medical group that you're attached to. Can you explain what a surf team is? Because I'm already thinking about going to California and, <laughs> and getting on a board. Absolutely. So surf or surf P, it's two acronyms in one. So the C is C-B-R-N-E, which is chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive. Um, emergency response force package. So this team, as you said, was part of the medical element. Um, they respond to any disasters in Minnesota, Iowa, Dakotas, anywhere near us um, that are too dangerous for normal firefighters, paramedics, EMTs to respond to. So we have all these capabilities of helping people, triage, um, containment, all of these factors. And my job as a public health specialist is I just do my public health job with them. So it's an amazing experience. It's even more to add on to the resume, and it's a great experience. Absolutely. That does not sound like a normal military job, but with the National Guard, we're a little different than the active duty. How does that kind of domestic response tie into working with the Air National Guard and the Army National Guard? It's amazing because you have opportunities with the state and the federal government, as you said. So we can go under the orders of the president or state governor um, with the SURF in particular, there are many different um, ways to be activated. Say if there's a presidential convention, we can be deployed there for like surveillance and prevention. Um, the missions that you can do for the state, whether you're medical or not, are amazing because you get to help your neighbors, you get to help your family. It's a great, it's a great way to, to help out. The National Guard's been pretty busy the last couple of years with that. I mean, if, Matt, even since you just joined, have you done some state work? Um, I had the opportunity to uh, deploy for the state COVID response with the nursing homes and the testing. Uh, unfortunately, I was sent to school, um, so I missed out on the opportunity, but um, they are always here. Um, that's the great part is you don't have to look too far to volunteer for state work. Um, and even having deployment opportunities come down, it's, there's always room for more. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like a good way to serve your community even uh, um, as a part of the military. You don't have to necessarily just be a volunteer out there. and You get paid for doing it, right? Absolutely. So, Matt, think back to your time uh, as a Stillwater Pony, going through the PSEO program. You kind of knew you had this in your, in, in your brain. Um, but how have you changed as a person since joining the Air National Guard? You've done a lot just in your short life so far with us. How have you changed? I don't even know where to start. Um, it's been uh, two years, as you said, since I took the oath, and I, I've changed a lot professionally. Um, as an individual, I feel like I've matured a lot more since high school. And 
everything from basic training to tech school, they're all chapters of my life. And the amount of change that I went through was astronomical. Um, basic training, as an example, you really learn to, for example, for me, to learn with, like how to deal with stress, how to deal with time management, um, how to communicate with other people in a stressful environment or even a calm environment. These are all things that I apply to my work life, my life back home. Um, just professional development was huge with the Air Force in general because um, the environment you're put in is always different. So it's extremely good for character development. Looking forward now, um, you still have about four years left in your, in your hitch. You took an oath. And that's, that's a commitment, so you kind of sign a contract with us, and you're, we're stuck with you, and you're stuck with us for, for the next six years after you do that. you got four years left on that, right? Yes, sir. What's, what's your plan for the next four years? What do you want to achieve as a part of our organization, but also outside? Four years from now, I hope to have my master's in public health, and I hope to obviously move up in the med group. Um, I love my family in the med group. We are extremely close, so I don't have any plans on leaving. Um, maybe looking at commissioning to become an officer once I get my degree. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't plan on leaving because I love it so much here. As you said, I'm going to D.C., so um, I could have transferred to a D.C. unit, but here at the Guard, um, I've already mapped out my future, and I'm looking forward to it. Who's helped you map out your future? Everyone from my leadership, from Senior Hoffman, um, to my dad, to Lieutenant Margetta, my supervisor, Sergeant Tucker, um, they've all kind of helped me map out what I want to do civilian side and in the military. And another great example of the kind of connections you get here at the Guard was uh, Lieutenant Margetta, um, my public health officer. She actually uh, knew someone in DC that was in the exact career field that I want to get to and helped me get in touch with them. So there are many connections that you can make inside of the Guard as well as outside the Guard that can help further your career. It sounds like a little bit more than you would have gotten if you just finished high school with a darn near straight A student and gotten into a, a good college and just gone, the, the networking that's there. But the relationship that you talk about too is, uh, that's, that's hit a chord with you. And you know, you knew going in that that was kind of a part of what the guard is like. But were you surprised by the the closeness in the medical group? Absolutely, sir. I mean, I heard about it from my father about how passionate he was with he called them his troops and his coworkers and his bosses. And I didn't quite grasp that concept. I mean, I only had been in high school, and when I came here and developed those connections, and I saw how we all looked after each other and how we were interested in each other's lives and. We were always there if someone needed someone to talk to and needed a wingman. Um, and that concept was really unique to the Guard and to the Air Force because you don't see that anywhere else. Like I, I've worked civilian jobs, internships. You don't see that kind of connection there. I don't have that same kind of emotion. It's, it's something special. It kind of is. You would, um, you've joined a really good group over there. Um, and going through this series on having folks tell their first-year stories, that's, that's been the most fun for me to listen to, is how people talk about their military family that they have in, in almost every single shop. And I'm, I'm glad that you're getting the same thing in the medical group. Uh, you're kind of leading a difficult life in that George Washington is out in Washington, D.C., and you're commuting back here for Drill Weekend. You said you didn't want to leave the Guard, but you also said you could have. 
there's a there's a National Guard unit in every single state. I'm not going to ask you why you chose not to, but that is an option, isn't it? You you can pretty much transfer anywhere you want to go. Yes, correct? sir. As long as you have your approval, you can go to any one of those bases. And for Minnesota, it was it's a no brainer to stay here. It's it's we are one of the highest performing guard units, and the culture here is incredible. And I I don't want to leave it. You're uh, you talk about the culture. There's there's a lot of training, a lot of education, a lot of work that goes with being a part of the organization, but there's also a lot of fun too. What are some of the fun things that you've gotten to do as a part of the Guard, leisure-wise or uh, or also at work? Absolutely. There are events every drill weekend. I mean, even this weekend, we have a, a rodeo here in Minneapolis that we were all invited to and um, was paid for, and that we have a we actually have a member of the medical team enlisting here. Um, but every drill weekend, we've got fun stuff going on, um, such as we went to Valley Fair, like the Valley Scare during Halloween. Um, we've gone to cookouts. We've had wingman events here on base and off base. Um, it's a great experience, and you really get what you put into it. Um, there are a lot of times where you know we're going through it. Um, for example, with our LRE, our large scale readiness exercise, and we were all in our chem suits sweating together saying this is this is a lot but we can do it and when you have those moments with your wingmen with your colleagues with your bosses and you get through it and you can look back on those memories it gets you all closer everyone is closer to each other and it makes those fun moments even more special yeah why why is that important why is it important to have that closeness i mean really the big job that we have to do as a military is to go places and do some sometimes scary stuff. Why is that closeness important for that type of mission? It's extremely important even during the stressful situations, but maybe when you're waiting for them to happen, it can sometimes work life can be mundane for people, but when you have that connection with those around you and you get more in tune with them, um, your job starts to feel less like a job, if that makes sense. It kind of feels like a way of life and you have a connection to the person next to you and when you're maybe you're having a bad day or a bad stretch and they're there for you you can talk about it you have someone there for you it's it's amazing and honestly i've never found that connection um quite as strong as with my team here at the guard we're always checking in um as a traditional member here i'm only here twice a month two days a month and i might not see their faces but we're always in contact we have group chats and text messages always going so it's always a great way to just to talk to someone when you need someone yeah is this something I mean your your enthusiasm and, and the joy that you feel when I can I can feel it over here do you recommend this type of uh, a career to other folks absolutely um, if I was doing it even back in, in my PSEO days when I figured out what the culture here was like and how I did not realize how good the benefits and just how good the experience was going to be. And after tech school, I was I was over the moon, and I recommended it to all my friends. Um, just the work experience that you can even put on your resume for your civilian side, even if you, if you don't want to go full-time. Uh, if you just want to be a traditional member out here, the commitment is not is not that bad. It's it's great. You twice Twice a month on the weekend, you can come out here, do your job with your family, and it's great. 
Glad to hear that. I've been talking with Airman First Class Matt Wickman, graduate of uh, the PSA O program th from Stillwater High School, Go Ponies, and now a student at George Washington University and a public health technician with us here at the 133rd Airlift Wing. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thank you, sir, for having this, me. Absolutely. This has been great. As always, thanks for joining me on Beneath the Wing where those connected with the 133rd Airlift Wing, Minnesota Air National Guard, share their stories of strength and success. We will be releasing a new first-year story each Tuesday and Thursday throughout the month of February, March, and April. If you think you are someone whose story could be a part of our Wings family here in Minnesota and are seeking direction for your next step in life, or you know someone who is, please explore our opportunities at 133aw.ang.af mill and share these podcasts. If you're outside our local area but are still interested in serving in the Air National Guard in your state or territory, goang.com will get you started. That's goang.com. As always, I'd like to thank our public affairs section, especially Amy Lovegren, for her post-production and release work. I've been your host, Wing Command Chief Master Sergeant Mark Lakefold. <laughs>